from New Orleans, Louisiana, the Big Easy Baby, this is Radio Rotary. Hi, this is Sarah O'Connell. And this is Jonah Trebowasser. Welcome back to another edition of Radio Rotary. Each week we chat with your neighbors about great things happening in your community and around the world. People applying Rotary's motto of service above self. And today we are coming to you from the Rotary International Convention in New Orleans, Louisiana. We are broadcasting from the Cavernous Hall of Friendship in the Moriel Convention Center. Join us for the next half hour as we talk to Rotarians from around the world about the great things they are doing to serve humanity. Turn back the clock to the time when the French aristocrats of New Orleans dined in leisurely elegance, when breakfast was served in the patio amidst the soft rustle of exotic plants, a refreshing breeze from palmetto plants, and the romantic aroma of magnolia blossoms. Every dish was a delight, and the proper wine complemented each course. We have become a part of that tradition. I'm Sarah O'Connell, and welcome back to this segment of Radio Rotary. I'm joined by my co-host, Jonah Trebowasser, and we are broadcasting live from the heart of the French Quarter at a traditional place, famous Brennan's Restaurant. With us is our fellow Rotarian, Wendell Corral. Welcome to Radio Rotary, Wendell. A pleasure to be with you all again, but this time in person, instead yeah. of a telephone interview. It's good. Yes, last time we did it on a phone line from, you were here, well, you were in South Louisiana, a little further south about 30 miles south of here, uh, at the telephone in my office, and uh, we talked about all the issues going on with, with the British Petroleum disaster. Um, yes, that was the BP oil spill days. Yes, uh, and it's, it's, it's been a year since uh, it happened, and some good things and some things, we, we have to wait and see what's happening, uh, but it's terrible that it took place to begin with. Well, this has become yet another uh, uh, whammy to this area. Um, we're we're dealing now right now with the the flooding um, of the basically the back countries of South Louisiana because the river has become so high there's so much water involved and and, and let's tell for our listeners that don't know um, we we need to remind everybody what your official capacity is uh, Wendell you are well my paying job is that I'm the general manager of the South of Fouche Levy District uh, basically protect our four communities from uh, mostly hurricane flooding, but because we've built this ring levee system, uh, this elevated river level won't affect us because we'll be in pretty good shape. But besides that, uh, my degrees in biology and my board always understood that the natural environment around us is important in protecting the people from flooding also. So we've continued to stay with restoration of this, this great delta of North America. People don't realize it, but even the people living here, we live on the great delta of North America. Nothing is close to this in, in its width and its breadth and its importance to the American people and the country of America. Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, our president, he knew the United States could not be great without owning the way to get used, get the Midwest, the rest of the world, through the Mississippi River in South Louisiana. He understood that. That's why he went and sent Livingston to go buy New Orleans, ended up buying the whole uh, uh, colony of uh, territory of Louisiana. Uh, Thirteen states were carved out of that territory. And it's, that's when we decided to become a continental country, manifest destiny. But the main thing is the might of the Midwest was able to meet the rest of the world through the Mississippi River in South Louisiana. Jefferson knew that, and his plan has, has worked out. Uh, New Orleans is no less important to the Midwest well, than it was then. Wendell, let's talk about some uh, more recent history. Um, Southern Louisiana, New Orleans, the uh, whole state of Louisiana has been hit by a, a triple whammy. 
the Hurricane Katrina, the BP oil spill, and now the overflowing of the banks in certain areas and certain deliberate flooding because of opening up the sluice gates of the mighty Mississippi, just showing mankind just how mighty it is. Um, how many times can Louisiana get back on its feet? I mean, we're here today in uh, New Orleans and the Rotary Convention. We've got 20,000 Rotarians, probably another 10,000 family and guests. Uh, we're having a grand time. The, the city is beautiful. The food is great. The hospitality is beyond compare. But there are serious problems here. How many times can Louisiana jump back on its feet? Well, I mentioned the Great Delta. All deltas, all the Great Deltas in this world have the same situation. Great opportunity and great risk whether it be the Nile Delta, Bangladesh, the Netherlands. Uh, these great rivers have basically have built the deltas that are there by flooding. So what's taking place this year is that, you know, uh, most people don't realize that the Mississippi River drains 41% of the United States from western New York to Montana, all the way to provinces in Canada, Missouri, the upper Mississippi, but the Ohio Valley is responsible for two-thirds of the water in the lower Mississippi, south of Cairo, Illinois. So when there's heavy rain in the Ohio Valley, there are problems in the lower valley. The upper Mississippi flooding that took place in 1993, tremendous flooding in the upper Mississippi, but it had no effect on the lower Mississippi because only about a third of the water that goes in there. But in some parts of the Ohio Valley this year, you had a thousand percent more rain than normal. And that translated into that, that, that water level in the Ohio and the flooding. It's like almost seeing a snake swallow its food and as that lump of, of food goes out of snake or the flooding of the water, it, it, there's, there's that, that, that height of water, that slug of water. And that's what they call, the, you can see the crest coming down. They can predict it. And that's what has come down. But knowing that the Mississippi River, which used to be 30, 40 miles wide, the Mississippi Valley, we've turned it into just a mile wide with, with, with levee systems. And that was for navigation along with flood protection. And that's worked pretty well, that it's, it's self-scouring. You know, for a while, the Mississippi River, because of the sandbars, was very difficult to navigate, and so it was a very bad for, for commerce. Now, it is, it is built the most critical and, and, and uh, uh, economically important river corridor, that corridor from New Orleans to Baton Rouge with oil refineries, uh, fertilizers, uh, a, a lot of manufacturing, and a lot of uh, chemical plants, all these things that, that we in America have, have used to make the, the tremendous... Uh, production in food and then a way to get that food to the rest of the world the grain from Iowa and the rest of the Midwest sometimes the ability to get that grain moved on a barge the difference with the cost on a barge and the cost on a railroad car makes a difference on the profit of that year that's how much cheaper it is to put on the barge so that has become extremely important you're talking about economics we just had a situation where uh, of course the Rotarians are keeping an eye on the Mississippi flooding through the news to see if our convention here would be canceled yet a second time. And they opened up these floodgates and flooded out uh, people who are on farmlands, uh, I guess, north of here? Oh, yeah. I, I, they're they're kind of northwest of here. The Mississippi River, you, you kind of have to go back to the geology. And it goes, that goes back to 1973 when I finally learned about this geology. Couldn't under, I could not believe I had lived my whole life, 21 years old, and didn't know the geology of South Louisiana. It was a delta, and basically the Mississippi River has changed its course over the last 7,000 years five major times. And, and if you do a time-lapse photography of those last 7,000 years and do it in one minute, you see that river moving back and forth like a garden hose, and that's what's built all of South Louisiana. So it has been built by flooding. Uh, 
And when we started looking at protecting and stopping or re reducing the amount of floods in the 1927 floods, when the federal government said, we're not going to allow this to happen anymore, 1928, they passed uh, a law, the Mississippi River and Tributaries Act, and said, we're going to go ahead and build levees to control the river. But they knew levees by themselves wouldn't do the job. You needed to have pressure valves. And the pressure valves are those diversions, the old river control structure, Morganza, and the Bonnie Carey Spillway. Well, let me ask you this question. Somebody had to make a tough decision to open up those floodgates and flood out a lot of good people so that Baton Rouge and New Orleans could be saved. Um, you know, I almost feel guilty enjoying a vacation knowing that people have paid a price for that. Um, what kind of thinking goes into that decision, especially since you have some professional expertise in this? Oh, absolutely. The, uh, what, what, they have, what they've done, because of what you just said, you know, if, if you don't take advantage of these tools that have been built in the system, you could have tra traumatic flooding in, in, from Baton Rouge south to New Orleans. And as compared to the flooding from Katrina, Katrina, those couple of holes popped open and water came into the city for three days and equalized. If the river levees ever gave way, you would have flooding for a month or more at a time. Almost of biblical proportions. Uh, biblical, not almost, biblical just water flowing until finally that, that water would drop. Now that water is high and it's going to stay high for another month. You would not be able to stop the flow of that water. That water would be flowing through where the community used to be for a month at a time. So it's critical not to let that happen. Now, what, about, what about the environmental impact, not just the economic impact? Environmentally, this has got to hit the region very hard. Yeah, well, the, when you have this excess, this excess water, uh, well, one thing, in 73 flood, which was the last very large flood, we actually made a heck of a lot more crawfish. All the freshwater flooded areas and the crawfish production was fantastic. Normally crawfish production ends in early May. Uh, in 73, that crawfish production went into July. And this, we may see that same thing happen here. But the other species that we have, the shrimp, the oysters, and the crabs suffer because when you get this much flood waters, you get uh, a lot of nutrients and maybe too many nutrients, and you get algal blooms, which lead to low oxygen conditions, which cause tremendous problems for our shrimp, crabs, and oysters. And oysters had, a, had some difficult times last year because we used the versions of fresh water from the river to help keep the oil out. But fresh water on oysters, when the water starts to warm up, kills oysters. Mm. And so we had some tremendous oyster kills last year, not because of oil, because we use the fresh water to help push the oil back. You come this year now, now we have fresh water coming in because we had a lot of rain. And so that, that's the other, again, another hit for the situation. It's a constant management. Absolutely. Constant. Absolutely. Uh, the Mississippi River draining so much area, no one can tell when you're going to get these cycles when you get a lot of rain in one place. You know, you look at all the different things that are going on. Look at the tornado issues. You know, these are things we can go and we can plan. The extremes will always get us. But do we get the benefits of you know, the last major flood, the last opening of Morganza? You talk about the flooding of those, those which, communities. Which one? 1973. So except for 73 and except for this year, we've had 40 years of great production. You know, we're going to find out more about that, the BPO's bill. And Sarah's favorite, favorite topic, 
food in just a minute, but let me remind our listeners there in tune with Radio Rotary, we're coming from the 2011 Rotary International Convention in New Orleans, Louisiana, and we are here at the uh, historic Brennan's Restaurant in the heart of the French Quarter, and we'll be back with more Radio Rotary after these important messages. Not all superheroes wear capes. Most wear jeans, or sweaters, or suits, just like ordinary people, because that's what they are. They are the 1.2 million members of Rotary, men and women whose superpowers are the capacity to care and the desire to make the world better. So the next time you need a superhero, don't look in the sky, look in the mirror. Learn more at rotary.org. Rotary, humanity in motion. For information about Rotary in the Hudson Valley, visit www.rotarydistrict7210.org. Hudson Valley Talk Radio. Jettleson Giordano and Siegel, CPAPC, is a full-service accounting, tax, and business consulting firm. JGS specializes in business succession planning, including ownership transition, management transition, as well as family and non-family transitions. The JGS staff works alongside you to solve the problems of your specific business or personal situation. JGS is conveniently located on Route 211 in Middletown, New York. To learn more, please contact JGS at 845-692-9500 or visit them on the web at www.jgspc.com. Juddelson, Giordano, and Siegel, your essential partner in business. Hudson Valley Talk Radio and online at HudsonValleyTalkRadio.com. Welcome back to Radio Rotary. This is Jonah Tripuasa with my co-host, the lovely Sarah O'Connell. We're broadcasting from the 2011 Rotary International Convention in New Orleans, Louisiana, and we are specifically at historic Brennan's Restaurant here in the heart of the French Quarter, and we are here with our very good friend and guest, Wendell Curl, a native of Louisiana. And Wendell has been talking to us about the various uh, problems Louisiana has had and has bounced back from, and a little bit now about the BP oil spill. Wendell, you uh, spoke to us on the telephone a number of months back about BP and the uh, devastation uh, to the area and how things were coming back. How are things today? They could, the way we look at it, it could have been a lot worse. Things are not as bad as, as it, it could have been. We could have been looking at a terrible, I mean, a total wipeout on estuarine area. What we're finding is that there are spots like Bay Jimmy where there was a lot of oil that went in. There's still, when you, when you travel there, you can kick up and see an oil sheen come up. But we have 3 million acres of wetlands, and only a very small portion shows any real signs. We have run across some mats of oil that have embedded themselves on the, the seafloor to some extent. But most of that has been weathered, and we're not seeing the, the negative effects from it. But uh, we're still cleaning some beaches. But the, the, where we have beaches, that was our goal. We wanted the oil to be in the beaches and not get into the marshes because the marshes are the key to this tremendous productivity. 30% of all fisheries in the lower 48 states comes out of the marshes of South Louisiana. Well, that's the bottom line, Wendell, that people want to know, is the seafood from South Louisiana, as world famous as it is, is it safe to eat? Yes. Uh, the reason is we have shut down the areas that have had problems. When, when, in fact, when it first started happening, they were very aggressive in shutting down any areas where we thought the oil would be. And sometimes the oil never made it there, but yet we had the shutdowns. Secondarily, we took tissue samples before the oil got into the system so that we could compare the tissue of that we knew for sure that that seafood had been impacted. 
signal. So you were constantly monitoring it. And I think you brought up one thing, which just intellectually for people that are not from here, we understand the difference from the beach areas to the marshes and the swamp and the backwater. So so not to put too fine a point on it, but that's one, one reason. I, my understanding is that they were trying to get the oil contained to the beaches. But then when you, you see on the news, you know, national news, people would see all that slop everywhere and would interpret that as complete pollution. That's exactly right. Because what do cameras do? They look at the one area that's the worst. So it makes a picture in your mind that everything is that way and that's not what took place. And what you all did was you, you kept it away from the marshes and away from the areas that, per, that are the production areas for the environment, the wildlife, and particularly the fish industry. Exactly, that's right, except for a couple of places. And those places, uh, they've not allowed any fishing in, in the area. But the testing continues. And it's gonna, this is the most tested seafood in the entire world. Because it's very important that the, the brand, Louisiana Seafood, stays clean. And everybody up and down the line has, has, has worked very hard to make sure that nothing that's, that could be tainted gets on the market. Now, the one thing, people are still afraid. Now, the one good thing for me, it's bad for the fishermen. But what's good for me is that I get a better shot at my seafood. Now, it doesn't go, it's not shipped out. I get more seafood and at a little bit less cost. And I, and I eat it with no reservations, and I give it to my family with no reservations. And, and you, you know of what you speak, because what are you, seventh generation from the fishing industry? Exactly. Seven generations here in Louisiana, living on the coast, paid my way through college, working on the shrimp boat, and my degree's in biology. I've, I've seen a lot of different things, and like all of us, uh, you know, people confuse about us in the oil industry. You know, we're fishermen. We believe in the marsh. We go fishing in the marsh all the time. Yet I graduated from high school. My first job was to work at the New Orleans Ice and Shrimp Plant in Golden Mill, Louisiana, putting ice on shrimp boats. The shrimp season petered out in the middle of the summer. I still had a couple of months to work before I could go to college. I got a job on my uncle's tugboat pulling pipelines 20 miles south out of Morgan City. And our people have always jumped back and forth. We're, we, we, we deal with boats, and because of that, we do fishing, and we do oil, and we do... Uh, it's, it's more collaborative than people might think. And, you know, the proof of the pudding, what you're saying, Wendell, about the uh, seafood uh, being safe to eat is that we've got 18,000 Rotarians and probably uh, half again as many uh, family and friends joining them. They're all attending some of the delicious restaurants around here, and nobody has fallen on the street, <laughs> especially Brennan's. Brennan's delightful. That's what we're here today. I think I saw a couple of them drink too much and fall on the street. <laughs> that, would, that would be Sarah. No, I, I think not. I think that Sarah knows how to handle her imbibement. Well, you know, not to put, again, not to come back to it, but part of the culture is, um, in this part of the world, it is the music and the food. I mean, that, that is the heart and soul of South Louisiana. Well, music and food in South Louisiana come from the same place. There's a creativity, there's a feeling, you want to share that feeling. It's a positive, it's such a... It's about joy. There's a lot of joy in life in living here. Come down to, for example, let's, ju let's jump about when people pass away, the, um, the music for the funeral dirges, the music to we send them off in a blast, in a blaze of glory, don't we? It's uplifting. It's celebratory. It, it's, it's not sad and hanging crepe. And we're, we're very different that way. It's very celebratory. Well, but again, it's, it's part of the honoring the person. Yeah, there's, there's tremendous loss, the feeling of loss. But at the same time, after you go through the mourning that, that goes through, 
you also want to celebrate that life because that's the key. If that life was there. Think if it would never existed. So I mean, I can remember my grandfather when when, when he died. I remember it rained during the few, you know we were doing, doing the burial. But you go home to the community cook with the whole family sitting there. The music. And and then you just you just you know I remember my, one of my aunts. I dress shrank. And we just looked at that, everybody cracked up laughing, and, and it, it reminded me about our grandfather, that's how he was, you know, he, he, he took life as it was, and when, when the kids did something crazy, uh, he'd just shake his head and laugh, and, and, and you know, that, but I think... The joyfulness of life, you go home to the, to the music, and you go home to the food, and when Jonah was asking earlier, how many whammies can people in this area take? Well, you know what? They can take it because no matter what happens, we rise up. The people here, I think statistically, people in Louisiana move less than anybody else because it's a. It's because it's so hot. Yeah, no, it's so hot. No, that's the one reason. There's two things that make this not paradise. That's the insects and the overbearing heat. I can't take it from me as a tennis player. Okay, but the the, the what about this place, this estuary is such a giving place, you know, like one guy told me, we did a documentary a few years ago, and, and he said, if someone's hungry in South Louisiana, it's because they're on a diet, okay, <laughs> the food is thrown at you, man, it jumps up, I, I was on the back canal, our drainage canal for, for the levee, caught a pound and a half catfish, I cleaned it, cut it in little strips, and man, I, got, I fried it in a wok, and I, it came out so good, it matched anything I've, I've ever eaten, because it's fresh, you know. You didn't invite us, Wendell? <laughs> Your old buddies, you didn't invite us over? Well, you know, it would have been fresh. This was two weeks yeah. ago. You know? But that's really the trick. You can never taste the quality of a food unless you eat it almost In immediately. Moment. In, the, In moment. the moment. That's why eating at a, at a camp, a, a fishing camp, a hunting camp, the, you know, you take something and it's never as good as the moment after. You know, it, uh, the more per preservation, the more time it takes, the less the quality of the food. That's something... When, I, I remember when I was on the shrimp boat, we'd eat off the back deck sometimes. I mean, you just put the shrimp right there on the deck, and you ice everything down, and you save a few, and you go cook them up immediately. The best fish I've ate, and Uncle and I were, had gone down the Grand Isle. I remember it was drizzling, but we were fishing in the surf, caught about six speckled trout, fried them right there. It got fire started even in the drizzle, and ate that, that speckled trout out of the pan. And I, I can still remember that moment. I was six years old. Wendell Curiel, uh, just in the couple seconds we have left, Invite all your fellow Rotarians down to Louisiana. Tell them why they should come down here and vacation. Well, the reason you come down is that it, 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 it's a place that has history. But going back to, you know, I think the basic flavor of the people is because if you had a full stomach, you know, if you're not hungry, you know, you can think about doing other things. You know, <laughs> you know it's hard to be happy if you're hungry. We take care of your, your appetite and your soul. Yeah, well, exactly. You know, New Orleans... New Orleans has a feel to it. Musicians, very good musicians come here very often. Incognito, not knowing because they, they, they get, there's a vibe here that's just in the air. It hangs heavy with the humidity, but it's different. Wendell Carroll, thanks so much for joining us once again on Radio Rotary. Thank you. It's been a pleasure meeting you, and it's really nice to see you all in person. I'm glad you all down here. Same here. Take care. Well, Sarah, I don't know about you, but I had a terrific time here in New Orleans. That's how you pronounce it, right? No. <laughs> All right, so how do you pronounce it? Let's do it right. All right, let's do it right. Drum roll, please. It's New Orleans. Well, that's where I've had a terrific time. How about you? I've had a great time because you know what, Jonah? What? New Orleans is the big easy, baby. <laughs> well, folks, thank you so much for tuning in to Radio Rotary. I hope you enjoyed our exclusive coverage of the 
2011 Rotary International Convention. And Sarah and I have had a great time bringing you the show, and I hope you've enjoyed it. Be sure to join us again next Friday morning at 9 for another edition of what, Sarah? Radio Rotary, right here on Hudson Valley Talk Radio. Thanks, folks. What would you do if a friend, coworker, or a loved one collapsed? Calling 911 alone will not be enough. Over 1,000 people a day die from sudden cardiac arrest. Many can be saved with early intervention. HealthSave offers CPR courses on a daily basis at our facility in Rockland County. We'll come to your home or business if you prefer. Call us toll-free at 877-277-6233. That's 877-277-6233. Or visit our website at healthsave.com. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-S-A-V.com. Leave the E off of save for emergencies. CPR training is for everyone. Learn CPR. Become a lifesaver. It's RibFest time. The Highland Rotary invites you to their 7th annual Hudson Valley RibFest at the Ulster County Fairgrounds on Saturday and Sunday, August 20th and 21st, starting at 11 a.m. Enjoy live entertainment, delicious award-winning barbecue, and cooking demonstrations. Fun for all ages. All this for just $5, and that includes parking and entertainment. Save the date. Hudson Valley RibFest, August 20th and 21st. For more information, contact www. HudsonValleyRibFest.org. That's www.HudsonValleyRibFest.org.